Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Congratulations, Ohio. Sportsbooks are live on January 1. Go to playerprofile.com forward slash offers to check out the promotions for new depositors from FanDuel, Caesars, BetMGM, and PointsBet. Let's go, Jacob! We got week 17, baby! We are here for week 17. DFS, get excited. Oh, man, Jacob, this is weird. I haven't had a show in a week, man. Normally, I have two or three shows in between. Uh, this is this is my first show this week, man, so I'm, I'm privileged to have that first show with you, although it normally yeah. is with you on a different show. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, every other week, your first show is with me. It's just on a Wednesday. Yeah. But thanks to do it on Friday. There you go. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's nice to do on a Friday. What's going on, everybody? We are here to talk DFS for week 17. And let me tell you, it is a real doozy. I, I, I'm having so much fun with this slate, Jacob, because it's, it's gross, right? It's, it's insane, but it's gross, and it's fun, and it's chalky, and it's not chalky. And nobody really knows what's happening because we have injuries. We have fake injuries. We have, yeah, we have teams that we don't know whether they're going to try to win or not. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be yeah. so bizarre. I, I mean, like, it, it kind of sucks because, of course, you know, we play with, with underdog on, on best ball, right? And I have one team that made it into the super flex, and I have, like, uh, Devonta Smith, I have A.J. Brown, I've got Justin Jefferson, I've got James Conner, who's likely going to run the ball down the throats of the Atlanta Hawks this week, uh, you know, and then I have Kirk Atlanta Cousins. Hawks. Wow, we got James <laughs> Conner's playing power forward. <laughs> <Atlanta Falcons. laughs> starting so, center on the Phoenix Suns. Yep, absolutely. No, so, and then, of course, you know, I have uh, Kirk Cousins to pair with Justin Jefferson, and then to pair with Devonta go. Smith. And AJ Brown, I have Jalen Hurts. Yeah, nope. I, and I don't have a third yeah. quarterback. I don't have, I have a third quarterback. My, oh, I mean, of, of my of my four teams that I advanced into a best ball final, only one of them has two active quarterbacks this week. I'm happy if I just have one. I have one team with Burrow and with Cousins. So I guess that's where my high hopes are. That's Especially because I know so many other people are in the same boat that I'm in with, with one or more quarterbacks missing. Uh, I have two more Hurts teams. Uh, that obviously are, are down to one QB. Uh, one of them at least is Mahomes as the quarterback, so I have some level of faith. The other one is Daniel Jones, so I'd say a lower level of faith. Um, and unfortunately, one of my teams is a Lamar Tua team, so fully out of commission. Yeah. Oh, man. It, it's going to be rough, but let's bring it back in into DFS, of course. This week, typically what we do, typically what we do, not this week, but typically what we do is we actually will set up about four to five teams or four to five games we really want to attack and go heavy on, you know, put all of our chips in on. And then we discuss which players we actually want to play inside of those, how we're going to attack those games, and what we're going to, uh, what we expect the outcomes to be. Well, this week, since week 17, we decided to have a little bit of fun. What we're going to do is we're going to go through, and we're not going to do like game by game necessarily, but we will discuss the majority of the games, and we're just going to build lineups the whole time. We're just going to build lineups for you guys. We're going to sit there and we're going to go through 
And we're going to build probably five to six different lineups tonight on the show. So I hope you guys are ready for that. I hope you guys are excited. It's not going to be as in-depth because obviously if we did that, then it would be a five-hour show and Jacob would probably kill me. But we are excited to dive into these matchups. So Jacob, my man, are you ready? Let's do it. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, man. I'm getting into it tonight, man. I'm ready. I'm I'm excited to build lineups with you. I've been sitting here with my face in the books all night or in the computer screen all night. I'm just ready to, to build some lineups with you, man. So real quick, before we go into that, is there a stack that you really uh, just intensely love this week? Like with yeah, David Blau and Greg Dorch. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, didn't Greg Dorch go on IR right before the show? What? <laughs> Maybe it wasn't Greg. Oh, Greg Dulcich. You got the Greg wrong, Dulcich. You got okay, the that's wrong what Greg is. with a CH. You're right. You're right. Yeah. It was I was having a heart attack. I, I'm, I'm so excited for the Greg Dorch <laughs> this week. I was like, don't you dare. Don't you dare put, uh, put Greg Dorch on IR. No, that would be Greg Dulcich, which means uh, uh, that's what you really want to play Albert O, you know, as your bring back with the uh, Kansas City stacks, I suppose. Suppose you, you have a window open. I, I, um, I don't think it's the worst play of the week, but no, go ahead. No, I don't. I don't have like one that is that is super super uh, appealing to me. You know, over anything else, which I think is kind of why we want to go through each of the games. And my hope is is that as we go through, you know, I have a few angles that I like, and and hopefully as we go through these games, you know, maybe one of those will present themselves as the one that I'm most excited about. But I so far I have a couple angles that I like. I have a couple angles that I like to not be on, um, and and then we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah, I mean, Justin Fields is interesting to start a stack out with. Uh, I really like Justin Herbert a lot this week. Uh, Kirk Cousins makes things interesting to an extent. Um, Aaron Rodgers, actually, for me, if Christian Watson plays, is, is somewhat interested in. tempting. Yeah, it's tempting. It's 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 enticing, uh, especially with the game flow. Uh, Jared Goff like up against Chicago should be interesting, and even Daniel Jones to an extent. I really like that Vikings-Packers game. I. Uh, I think that coming off of the last week, you know, we had all the weather in all of these Midwestern, Northern, Northeastern games. And this week, the weather's a lot milder. The forecast is lovely in Green Bay. It'll be cold, sure. Yeah, it's like 38 degrees or something. It's, gonna be, it's, it's supposed to be about 35 Fahrenheit, 3 degrees Celsius. It's going to be a little above zero. It's brisk. That's fine. It's going to be sunny. The wind is only going to be about five miles an hour steady. So I, I would be playing that game entirely unencumbered from any weather concerns. It's going to be an afternoon game. And we know the deal with Minnesota secondary. They suck. Uh, they they really give up a lot of big plays, in particular to vertical outside wide receivers. Christian Watson's a perfect fit. We'll see if he plays. I'm going to say that he plays. I mean, he practiced this. He practiced today on a limited basis. And, you know, we're, we're talking about a team that basically has to win their final two games to be able to get into the playoffs. So if, if he can play, he's playing. This is not one of those teams where we have concerns of, okay, how bad do they really want to push this player? If Watson can get on the field, he's going to play, and, and I expect him to be pretty effective. But I even think, you know, if you want to play it the other way where Watson might not be 100% healthy, I think that Green Bay has plenty of low-price options to try and attack because uh, you really only need one big play against this beatable secondary. Yeah, it – Man, it, I think it's just it's a it's a fun game that we get to watch over there for yeah. the Packers and the Vikings. Let's go ahead and bring the screen up and let's start building our first lineup. All right, so let's go ahead and, and let's start out with the Green Bay lineup. How about that? 
let's, let's start out with some Aaron Rodgers and some Kirk Cousins. Uh, which one do you prefer in this matchup? Because Kirk Cousins has been, you know, somewhat elite to an extent. Let me actually pull up his game log so that everybody can see. Uh, we have the Giants, who are pretty good up against the quarterbacks. 24 points allowed the week before that, 37 points. Detroit, 28 points. Although Detroit's pretty terrible. So with Kirk Cousins, I mean, he's enticing. I don't think he's going to see a significant level of ownership just because of how good this Green Bay secondary has been throughout the season. Uh, you know, which way are you leaning? I feel like you're, you're going Aaron Rodgers on this one for sure. I'm entirely happy to play both. And, and I'm honestly excited about the running game bring backs from both sides too. So I, I, this is probably the game I'm most excited about playing, and I'm totally fine from either angle. I think I like the Rodgers side a little bit better because I feel like I have a little bit more optionality in terms of who I'm stacking with it, and it's cheaper. So you can, I think, do more things with it uh, versus with Cousins. You're probably including Jefferson, and now you're tying up a lot of dollars. But I, I'm okay with either option. So let, let's build the one you're, you're feeling most, and, and I, I'm going to roll with it either way. You know what? Let's pull up Aaron Rodgers' game logs real quick because his game logs have been really disappointing, right? 14, 11, 13, 11, 19. I mean, he just hasn't been doing it, right? Even against the Titans, you would assume that he would break 25, and he just didn't didn't do it. But this is because this time of year, Green Bay loves to run the ball. They love to, to pound it down their opponent's throats. A.J. Dillon is is a god during this time of the year. So I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to opt to go with, with Kirk Cousins. I don't think the ownership is going to scare me away from Kirk Cousins this week. Uh, meanwhile, he offers a very a, may, way higher floor. Meanwhile, if Aaron Rodgers has a typical game like he has, you're pretty much out of the runnings in a deeper tournament, which for this one, we have over 300,000 people signed up for this one. So I'm going to go with the guy who can get me to that elite level. I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I'm good with that. And I mean, if we're playing Cousins, I mean, we know the deal this year with Kirk Cousins, right? I think you, you're playing. Yes, exactly. You're, you're, <laughs> you're playing Justin Jefferson. If Kirk Cousins is hitting his ceiling, it's coming via the best wide receiver in the NFL. The question is, do you double stack? And and who do you add as the second? Is it Hawkinson? Is it Thielen? Is it Osborne? But uh, building a Kirk Cousins lineup without Justin Jefferson just feels like putting a kick me sign on your forehead. So I think we can safely lock in Mr. Jefferson. Uh DJ Hawkinson, of course, coming off of the massive game, um, you know, and, and he's certainly seen a, a fairly high degree of volume. I think he'll be playable. It gets very expensive if you're spending up at tight end and you're playing uh, Justin Jefferson. So I'm okay with trying out a Hawkinson and seeing how we feel about it. And I'd be okay with playing KJ Osborne as well. Thielen has been a little bit of a ghost, honestly, since since Hawkinson's acquisition. Um, at least with Osborne, he's cheap. So you're just kind of hoping for one big play. But. Yeah, I mean, Hawkinson is tough, right? Because I feel like, you know, if you're playing Kirk Cousins, you're going to play Justin Jefferson, and a lot of people are going to play Hawkinson with it. Meanwhile, Hawkinson's going to carry also onto the other side on the Green Bay stacks. Yeah. Um, along with Justin Jefferson, of course. So uh, for me, like, all right, so we're looking at these these over-unders, right? And I think there's like one, maybe two games that goes over 47 for the over-unders. Correct me if I'm wrong, or do you know off the top of your head? Uh, in terms of the over-unders, this one's yeah. 47 and a half. Okay. Um, and believe, then we have the Bears and the Lions. That is one game higher. Yeah. And it is the Bears and the Lions at 52. Outside of that, no team is really over 42 and a half. So if the Bears and Lions doesn't end up, you know, hitting big, which if it hits big on the Bears side, then you're not going to need to double stack. Uh, like, I, I just feel like you can actually get away with a single stack just because of how low like these some of these other game totals are. We can focus on trying to find those those gems in some of these other games. Yeah, I don't have an issue with uh, single stacking Jefferson ever, just based on how high his salary is, right? Like, get, realistically, if you're playing a Justin Jefferson at ownership at $9,500, like, if he gets less than 30, you're probably not 
loving that choice. So you you can get a cousin ceiling game with almost all of the production going to Justin Jefferson. So I don't have an issue with it. Um, I will say just because we, we probably won't include him in this lineup, although I honestly would be okay with it. Um, I really like Dalvin Cook's spot this week. You know that he's always been an absolute menace against the Green Bay Packers, and the Green Bay Packers just in general are terrible against running backs. I think that he's going to fall a little under the cracks. He has a lot of the season in terms of ownership, mostly because he hasn't really had too many ceiling games. But him at 7K, probably closer, I think, to about 10% ownership, probably going to come in less owned, I would guess, than Jefferson, and certainly uh, I think also less than Hawkinson or similar. I I like Dalvin Cook. I'm okay playing him, uh, even if you really want to do an onslaught stack. Probably most of my Cook will be coming as the bring back with Green Bay um, stacks, but I just wanted to note that I like him a lot. Also, if you're not stacking this game, I'm probably going to try and look at many correlations between Cook and Watson. Or if Watson does not play, then probably Cook and Dubs. Um, maybe Lazar, but I don't know. I'm just not, I just struggle to click Alan Lazar, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, Lazard saw 11 targets last week, but he didn't really do anything with them. He's out there. He's running all the routes. Uh, he is the type of receiver that has beaten the Vikings to an extent. I mean, we saw Isaiah Hodgins. Who, they're not the same player, but they still have like a, a bigger physical profile. Uh, they're not extremely fast. They just beat uh, the opponent with physicality. So Alan Lazard for me, I think, is is a guy who you can fit in there and would be a good stack. But honestly, like I'm feeling A.J. Dillon at this point. A.J. Dillon has been the, the workhorse they've leaned on. Uh, it's going to assume that the, uh, the Packers defense has somewhat of an impact early on in the game and allows the the uh, Packers to go up and then they just run the ball nonstop with AJ Dillon. It just, it seems like the right situation to go to up against the, the Vikings who, by the way, the first time that AJ Dillon was relevant in the season was actually up against the Vikings in week one. Yeah. Week one. I, I do like AJ Dillon this week. Honestly, I'm, I'm kind of interested in playing both the green Bay running backs this week. Cause I don't think either are going to get owned at all. Uh, Aaron Jones has been of course battling an ankle injury now for a few weeks. Uh, he came out of the game, uh, I think it was the Detroit game uh, with an ankle injury. He's, he's come back. He hasn't actually missed the game yet. But we did see last week, it was reported that his first carry the second half, he said he tweaked his ankle. He spent the rest of that drive on the sidelines. They started working in Patrick Taylor even a little bit in relief. Uh, Jones did return to that game. By all accounts, is going to play this week. But you never know what they're going to do with the workload, right? We've seen since Jones picked up that ankle injury that it's been closer to a 50-50 split than it was prior to that. That makes Dylan entirely viable at 5,800. I'm also totally fine if you want to play the other side of it and say, yeah, I'm just going to bet that Jones is healthy. We know that he has explosive ability, and he's not going to be owned at all because he projects like crap because of the injury at 7,100. So I'm fine playing either. Probably going to play more Dylan, mostly because I don't think that he's actually going to carry much ownership himself. Like It'd be one thing if Jones was out, but with Jones active and playing and just people unsure of the role he's going to have, you know, I think that Dylan's going to come in probably under own. I'm going to play him. So I, I will say, I'm, I'm looking across the Vikings, and this is not research that I've done. I'm kind of doing this on the fly, like as we speak, because something just hit me. I mean, Robert Tanyan's out there running like all the routes, right? Like he's out there yeah. on every play. Uh, the Vikings, meanwhile, haven't played really any good tight ends. And even like the and, and, they won't, and they won't this weekend. And they won't this weekend. Yes, you're correct. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, up against the Colts, right? Jelani Wood, one for one for 36. Kyle Granson, two for two for 34. I mean, like, it, it's like they're just giving up a ton of yards to the tight end position. I think trying to focus so much on the outside. But I mean, they are to the entire secondary. Can I interest you in any Robert Tanyan? Or are you fading that? I, I'm, I'm not against it. Like, so if I play, 
If I play Rodgers, all of his weapons are cheap. So I'm, I'm double stacking Rodgers uh, pretty much every time because I don't think he has anybody who has 6K. So assuming Watson is healthy, I will play Watson in every Rodgers lineup because that's the explosive guy, really, that I think you need to take the top off this thing. And then, you know, with Watson active, the, the wide receiver split enough routes um, that I think I would be pretty content playing Watson and Tunyon together as my stack there. If Watson does not play, I'll probably default to Dubs and Lazard um, more commonly, but I'm, I'm okay playing Tanyan really in, in any circumstance. I mean, I, I don't like him as like an individual play, but in the context of a game stack, sure, you get a touchdown. Yeah, he might end up with two, the same amount that he's had the whole season, I think. Yeah. Maybe he only has one. All right, so I, I'm going to go ahead and pivot off to a different game now. All right, so we're going to try and fill in this roster, and I'm going to start with a team or a, a game that I don't think is is going to have any kind of significant ownership just because I, I see it as a lower scoring game. And, you know, neither team have been phenomenal. Both teams want to run the ball nonstop. That's just their philosophy. That's how they want to go about things. Uh, and I want to start out at the tight end position since we're right there. And speaking of teams that haven't played any tight ends, the Washington Commanders, right? Mm. They have played uh, outside of George Kittle, who they just gave up. Uh, six for 120 and two touchdowns. Jesus. Uh, they've played the Giants. Uh, they've played the Falcons without Kyle Pitts. They played the Texans. They played the Eagles. Uh, Dallas Goddard during that game, by the way, ended up putting up 11 fantasy points. Um, they played the Vikings with TJ Hawkinson, nine for 70 in that game. They played the Colts, who they don't have a tight end. They they played Robert Tanyan, who didn't do anything against them. Uh, they did shut down Cole Komet, if you consider that an advantage. Um, yeah, well, who doesn't? But then, like, the Titans and then the Cowboys with Jake Ferdinson, Dalton Schultz wasn't even healthy. Uh, the Eagles again with, by the way, which, by the way, Dallas, Dallas Goddard almost had the exact same stat line, put up 11.6 points. Um, and then the Lions with Hawkinson, I believe, who still ended up having a very good game against them. So I Hawkinson, really... That was, that was the team Hawkinson got two weeks in a row, if I recall, right? Uh, it wasn't two weeks in a row, but it was two weeks. Okay. <laughs> so I will say, like... And Joku, for me, is a massive play this week. I think that Washington is going to be able to put the Browns in a situation where it might be a close game, but they're going to be losing. And they're going to have to pass. And Washington, every single time they played a good tight end, has actually allowed points to the tight end position. Like I, I just read them off. And it's been double-digit fantasy points in almost every matchup. And Joku has that ability. I think he was, what, three for six last week. You know, not the best week ever, but as Sean Watson, well, they, they, played that, they played in that unplayable game last week. They were the yeah. 31 total in the windstorm. I don't, I don't really care about any Cleveland style line in that game. I mean, but Njoku makes things interesting. And I think he's low enough price to be able to, to make this manageable at 4,100. That that sixth overall defense, that's a that's a fraudulent ranking right there. That's fraudulent. That is not real. Can I interest yeah, you? Yeah, I, I, have, I have no, I'm always in on Njoku. I love it. I love David Njoku. I'm always happy to play David Njoku. All right. Um, I think that if we're talking about that Cleveland Washington game, you know, I don't mind. I don't mind any aspect of Cleveland really, because uh, I don't think anyone's going to play it. Um, prob probably where I have some objection is I'm I'm going to be low on Brian Robinson for sure. I'm expecting what? to see up close to twenty percent ownership on Brian Robinson, um, and he's just not an archetype of running back that I'm interested in playing at ownership. Like I understand that Antonio Gibson's out. Okay, I'm not sure that changes his role really at all. Like if we look over the last couple of weeks. Brian Robinson had essentially crowded Antonio Gibson out of any early down carries that weren't just, you know, mop up duties, really. Brian Robinson was clearly handling the, the majority of the early down duties. And then what we saw last week was that when they fell behind, 
in the last couple of drives after Antonio Gibson had left the game. It was Jonathan Williams, uh, former Colts yep. legend, Jonathan Williams, <laughs> um, who was playing those pass down snaps. Ryan Robinson is what he is. He's a hammer. Like he's going to play on the early downs and, and he's now going to see even less competition for those early down snaps for sure. Williams will be purely a breather back, but he's still subject to all of the same game script concerns that other early down running backs would be that will have lower ownership, like say a Zonovan Knight, you know, who's in a game. I think he, I think he part projects similarly in terms of an early down back with a pass down back in tow that has game script concerns. He's going to be in that 5K range, but he's not going to be his own as Brian Robinson. I think that people are probably overreacting a little bit to the change that the Antonio Gibson uh, news is going to bring to his role. And just in general, you know, we're talking about a running back who has not been explosive this year. He's a guy who's generally been, you know, churning runs in a cloud of dust, right? This isn't a guy who's breaking 60-yard touchdown runs. This is a guy who's compiling eight-yard inside power row after eight-yard power row repeatedly, making Ron Rivera's dick hard off it. Anyhow, this is just the type of archetype of running back in a game with a 41 total who at ownership with game script phase-out concerns – I'd prefer to avoid because I think even in a scenario where he plays well, it often looks like 90 rushing yards, a touchdown and one reception. And it's like, okay, I can live with it. I can find that somewhere else. And there's always a possibility with Brian Robinson, where if this game does not go as Washington hopes, uh, very sorry to chase if this, if this happens to you this weekend, but let's say that Cleveland gets up on them early you know, it's always in play that Brian Robinson has 12 carries, 35 yards, nothing else, and Jonathan Williams is catching the dump off in the second half. No, that is very possible. In fact, it's probably more likely than than not. But let me ask you this. If Washington gets a goal line carry, is it going to be Brian Robinson that's oh, getting yeah. that carry? Of course. Okay. Well, the Cleveland Browns are allowing a touchdown per game to the running back on the ground. Meanwhile... We have just explosive, explosive outings allowed by the Browns' defense uh, as of late. I mean, 97 yards to the Saints in a touchdown. The Ravens, J.K. Dobbins, ended up having, what, 125 yards. Uh, Joe Mixon got 96 yards, but he only had 14 carries, so 6.86 yards per carry. I mean, Damian Pierce had a great game. Like, Rashad White had a very good game. There is potential here for a blow-up game. And if you're not going to at least sprinkle some Brian Robinson in some lineups, you could, be, you could completely get left in the dust if he comes away with two touchdowns and 100 yards. I'm okay getting left in the dust. I get left in the dust all the time. I'm not – look, <laughs> here's my question, okay? What is, the, what is the fundamental difference in Brian Robinson's role and Zonovan Knight's role? Because everything you said about Cleveland being a fantastic – rushing running back matchup is 100% true. Zonovan Knight, $200 less, okay? Yeah. He's going to be projecting for about half the ownership, and he gets the Seattle defense, which is also an, an elite running back matchup. So I'm I'm just curious, what's the what, what why do I have to play Brian Robinson when I can basically just take the same shot to me on a similar early down running back in a fantastic matchup at the same price range? The only thing is different is I get half the ownership. For me, it's just more of, of the team they're playing. And the Seattle Seahawks, we brought it up last week, right? They were really good in the beginning of the season up against running backs on the ground. They struggled up against pass-catching running backs. They still struggle up against pass-catching running backs. So for me, I feel like they could end up utilizing in a game that could end up turning into maybe not a shootout necessarily, but a game that could get a little bit more higher scoring than, than the game that we're looking at currently. Right, which is part of why I prefer that game because I don't have to deal with this stupid... Punt fast. 
No, I, I understand that as well, but I, I just see the efficiency levels for Brian Robinson being significantly higher than Zonovan Knight, and I think that there's a bigger chance that we're going to see turnovers from Washington's side versus turnovers from the, the Jets' side of things, just because I don't think that the Seahawks are going to end up passing a whole bunch. I don't think they're going to force a bunch of turnovers. I'd much rather have Brian Robinson on a short field up against a bad run defense, but I understand your point. I get it. Let's go ahead and let's move on. If, if you're not going to play Ro- Brian Robinson in this game, like I wouldn't play anybody from Washington personally. I guess yeah. Well, the way I, the way I put this is like, okay, if Michael Carter was ruled out, okay, and Antonio yeah. Gibson was in, so it's not an anti-Brian Robinson day. If Michael Carter was ruled out and Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson was playing, I would have said the exact same thing, but in reverse. I would have been like, really, everybody, right? The Bam Knight would have double the ownership in that scenario, and I would say, yeah, but the majority of Michael Carter's role is just going to go to Ty Johnson on passing downs, like I'm saying about Jonathan Williams and Antonio Gibson. And then I'm going to say, yeah, Brian Robinson has an equally great matchup to Zonovan Knight. I'd rather just play him at half the ownership. So it's not like I'm against Brian Robinson. I, I just don't think that he's twice as good of a play. He's going to be twice as owned. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's a better play. I, I'm not sure. They seem kind of the same to me. That, that's all I'm saying. I'd rather play the less owned version. Or A.J. Dillon, who's going to be entirely unowned in a similar price range. All right, well, let's fade Let's fade Njoku then for now because I have better tight end matchups that I want to go with if I'm going to play these games. Um, so for me, if we're going to fade the Washington game, we need to fade it completely if you're not going to play Brian Robinson. So who I actually want to go up uh, with next is the Jags and the Texans. Uh, the Texans obviously have a decent overall pass defense. I think this is going to be a Travis Etienne slugfest. Like he is one of my top locks on the entire week. I love Travis Etienne. How do you feel about that? I, I like Travis Etienne a lot. Uh, in a vacuum, I'm a little bit worried about what's going on with Jackson. The, the fact that it's only Jags plus or Jags minus three has me a little bit sketch. Uh, uh, that line does not feel real to me. That that feels like a line that's baking in, like we're pulling starters at halftime risk. Like I, I just don't yeah. think, I, I just don't think that the way that Jacksonville's played recently against the Houston Texans that they should only be a three point favorite if they were playing full fright. Now I know they're saying that they're going to. I understand that. I understand, like, they're going to start their guys. It's just sketchy. Sketchy to me. That being said, I would say that I'm a little bit more comfortable fading the pass game side of it because it'll be more owned um, than I am with Travis Etienne side of it because I think that'll be a little bit under-owned at 6,400, you know, in a smash matchup. If everything goes according to plan, I think you get the most bang for your buck there. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to play Etienne, but I do think that there's some downside risk. I do think ETN makes sense near primarily because of the story I'm about to tell, but I think the Texans, the primary reason why they're negative three is because they've taken arguably two of the best teams in the NFL, like two teams that can make it to the Super Bowl, and they brought it down to the wire with those two teams and the Chiefs I mean, and the Cowboys. Turnover variance though. Like they got a lot of turn like they were like plus five in turnovers it, those two games. It doesn't matter. I mean, they still brought two of the best teams all the way to the end. And then they take the Titans and they beat the Titans, who at the time I believe were, were number one in their division. So uh, for me, I think it's it's more so about the late play of the Texans than it is anything else. Because if they ended up having anything more than seven, I mean, that's a bigger line than what they carried out the past three weeks, right? Like if, if they have anything more than I think six, then it's bigger line than they've carried out. Uh, mm-hmm. in more of the past three weeks and they played three top tier teams right. so I, I think that's what it, it more so has to do with i think etn is going to play to the finish i do want to play etn in this lineup because i want to be able to bring in a tight end and that tight end for me is going to be between one of two guys we're going to have jordan akins as a quentin from- tarantino <laughs> uh it is not it is uh 
either Jordan Akins or Brevin Jordan, who they both played similar amount of snaps last week. Jordan Akins was a lot more efficient. Um, it allows you to get into the end zone. And Jacksonville has struggled really bad up against tight ends. Let me read this off over the past six weeks. 20 or 35 points to the tight end, 26.6, 28.3, 5.9, but 14.5, 11.4. Those are the uh, amount of points they've allowed to the tight end over the past six weeks individually. I do think that Jacksonville is, is going to be close to elite on the outside. I think that they're very good up against the running back position, and Royce Freeman and, and company have not looked good or efficient. I need to find a way that the Texans are going to score, and I think that we could see a Jordan Aikens two-touchdown week or Brevin Jordan two-touchdown week in here. Talk me out of this or, or talk me into it. How you feeling? Well, now i got to look up Texans route counts. I didn't think I'd have to know anything about Texans tight ends. <laughs> That's upsetting. It, it, it's close. It's, so last uh, last week, last week we saw a three-man committee. So we had Jordan Akins uh, running sixty percent of the routes. We had Brevin Jordan running just under forty percent, and we had Quentin Tarantino running twenty percent of the routes. Uh, three-man tight end committees are never what you ideally want to see employed when you are trying to pick a DFS tight end. I guess what I would say is that if you are playing a uh, Texans tight end, I would probably pick Jordan Akins just based off of the fact that he's run the most routes recently. I mean, we've seen Brevin Jordan's routes go all over the place. Like there's been weeks in the last month where he's ran three, you know, so he ended up getting up to 40% last week. That's not great. Um, and, and that might be a high watermark for him. So I think Jordan Akins is probably the guy I would play if I, if I was stacking this game. I'm not sure that he would be my bring back if I'm just doing an ETN skinny. I mean, this this will seem like – I know this is like gross because he's like a gross person and like a gross player and he's washed and whatever else. But like Brandon Cook saw a lot of targets last week. He's only $4,800. Um, I'd probably rather just play Brandon Cook than go chasing the tight end committee if I'm doing like a little skinny. Jacksonville's been great on the outside. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the matchups – are the I mean, CD Lamb had no issues with. I know that Brandon Cooks Lamb plays not CD Lamb, but I mean, they're gonna Brandon Cooks the only player they have. I don't. I don't think they're gonna have. They're gonna be able to move him around if they wish. Um, I'm not sure of his alignment the last week, to be honest with you. But uh, I, I think that I think that I would just rather play the guy who's gonna play all the snaps, who I can trust to get some level of targets. I mean, is Chris Moore, is he still getting slot, slot status in, in Houston? Is, is that a guy that you want to bring back from the dead, or, or is he or is he dead for you? Is it uh, only these shitty I tight mean, ends? You knew, you knew where I was with Chris Moore, right? Like, I liked Chris Moore in certain weeks. Other weeks, I faded him, and he, he hit in 50% of those times. This week, I'm going to fade him. I'm not that interested okay. in him. Uh, I think that it could end up being somewhat of a low-scoring game to an extent, but I do think that there will be a concentration of targets uh, and a concentration of, of ownership. Uh, towards certain players, and and honestly, I just don't see Jordan Aikens even seeing ownership. But I think I have like I, five tight ends. I believe here I you. Think... I believe you. I believe you that Jordan Aikens will not see ownership. Yeah, that's you have that correct. I I have like five tight ends on this slate that I just absolutely love, and none of them are going to be popular. So I, I'm I'm cool with running out uh, Travis Etienne uh, naked. Sorry. On this matchup, like with Brian Robinson, I, I want to do the run back with Njoku. I wasn't going to play Njoku without playing some sort of way that Washington would score because if not, then they would just run Chubb and Cream Hunt the whole time. Uh, I think that Jordan Akins has a chance to get you two touchdowns, no ownership. That's a guy that could win you a tournament. That's why I was going that route. But let's go ahead and hop on to. I don't hate it. I mean, look, it's six, if he's going to run 60% of the routes, Nico calls on IR, they're going to be using multiple tight ends. 
He's just like a gross and gross red zone player. touches. He's if they can get into the red zone, right? The key is getting into the red zone. <laughs> if they get in the red zone, they don't have anybody else to pass to. Okay. I mean, they're not going to be passing to, to Brandon Cooks on the outside. You can put Aikens in our lineup, but no Brevin Jordan. I mean, I, look, by gosh, I really wish that the Houston Texans would give all of their tight end routes to Brevin Jordan instead of thirty million yes. year old Jordan Aikens. I mean, fuck. me too. <laughs> but, me too. But they me unfortunately, too. <laughs> Lovey Smith doesn't want us to have fun. All right, Jordan so, Higgins, probably his 19th NFL season. He's like the Mercedes Lewis of the AFC. I, I'm going to save this next one because you don't like playing three uh, running backs. You like playing your two running backs and playing. No, I don't mind like playing three. I I, I I change every slate. It depends on the values in the slate. I'm fine with playing three running backs. All right, so I'm going to pitch this idea out to you. Okay, I'm going to throw it out yeah. there. You can shoot it down. You can take it if you want to. Uh, but this is a guy that I was very high on in the offseason. I know you don't like this guy because you don't like this this archetype type of player. Um, but he, he breaks tackles, right? He's he's kind of sluggish, but he's able to oh, generate okay. yards after contact. If you no, can really, think of who I'm saying. No, I'm, I'm so tempted. If you can this, think about who I'm saying, like, go ahead and say this, it. So, this, all right. this, 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 this is not Brian Robinson, to be clear. It's, it's not. It's not. And I don't even okay. like Brian Robinson, by the way. Uh, is, is but Tyler Algier? It is Tyler Algier. Yeah. 74 okay. rushing yards last week. 63 of them were after contact. Uh, he also had the second most broken tackles last week behind only Derrick Henry, who had nine. Tyler Algier had eight. Uh, meanwhile, we have the Arizona Cardinals, who have the third yeah. most missed tackles on the season with 78 missed tackles. This is where, like my my like DFS like radar, my DFS like alarms goes off because this is like the type of guy that I want to play. Like it's literally the perfect matchup up against a bad defense in the interior uh, with a running back that can generate yards after the touch in a game that's just gross, right? Like we can't trust David Blau to to throw the ball a ton, so we're gonna be left with short field positions. And I just see a, a position where Tyler Algier could absolutely smash and, and finish off with two touchdowns, especially, especially if we can get some turnovers over there from the Arizona side, right? Like if we can get a couple interceptions, which Arizona is capable of. Do- oh, I mean, I'm sorry, oh, Atlanta, well, we, Atlanta is capable yeah, we of doing. Can get some turnovers from the snowblow. Yeah. Oh, it's it's very possible, especially with this like nine inch chance. So you know, and I also, by the way, I like James Conner in this game a lot. So I'm cool with playing James Conner or Algier. Yeah, like um, but. I don't want to play them both together because neither one have breakaway run ability, right? They're both guys that are going to break tackles. Playing, I don't mind playing them together. Connor, oh, the God. script of the backup quarterback is going to just oh, pile yeah. up, dump off. Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't think about it. But I'd rather play Hal That's why we do the show together. I'd rather play Hal Drew with my guy, Dorch. Or or McBride. I mean, I'm, I'm like totally fine yeah. playing McBride. I, I can't do McBride. I just have too many other oh, oh, shitty tight ends I like. <laughs> You like Jordan Akins, but Trey McBride is a step too low. For you. It's it's just a step too low. There's not enough You'll upside play there. Jordan. Oh my god! All right, so all right, can we play Tyler Algier? Or you want to play James Conner? Uh, I'm fine with either one of them, to be honest. So, so Tyler Algier, I'm expecting to see. I'm expecting to see similar ownership on him and Brian Robinson. Um, I, if I had like a crystal ball where I knew which one was going to see less ownership, that's probably the one I'd go with. Um, I think Algier is a strong play. I mean, Arizona's an incredible matchup. He has certainly taken over the backfield more in recent weeks. And unlike Brian Robinson, he actually plays the passing down. Yes, um, he, he got four. And, of- and Desmond Ritter is a lot more willing to check it down to the running backs than Marcus Mariota was. I think we've seen CPAT mostly phase out other than some change of pace snaps on the early downs. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty into Tyler Alger this week. He was my premium play in um, Chikers Guide to Running Back this week. So I'm excited about Tyler Alger. I think he'll – 
they'll probably be too owned for me to make him like a flag plant play. I think that the time to get in early was probably last week. But um, yeah, I think I think he's a strong strong point per dollar play, and, and his ownership will be reasonable enough that I think if I was going to go those like cheap running backs, right? The the, the three cheap rookie running backs that are going to be owned, or or well, Knight won't be that owned. I would say Algier is like my favorite in a vacuum. And then I would say Knight is second solely because I think he'll be a lot less owned than the other two. And then Robinson comes in third because I, I like Algier more straight up. And then I like Knight better with the ownership considered. And and I feel like you're going to have to play one of those guys in a lot of lineups to, to make it work with the dollars and cents, maybe even two of them. So that, It is. All, all three of these guys are going to see some level of ownership just because the pricing ends up working out. And there aren't too many like punt options, essentially, for the running back position on this slate. But... I yeah. By the way, Harry Snowman, I see you in the chat. By the way, uh, it is silent tonight. It, it's a silent night from Harry the Snowman. So, ooh, you like that? All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to our wide receiver position. Do we? I, I play or, the Atlanta Falcons wait, defense. By play, the way, there's another guy in that range. It's your favorite player. Do you want? Is this a DeAndre Swift week? Is he's in that range with with uh, same price range with all the rookies? Um, he is, but I want to stack this game in the games that I'm playing Swift in. I don't want to okay. run out Swift solo. Right. Okay. Uh, so I, I do want to move on to... Uh, we did play the Atlanta Falcons defense along with it at only 2700 Uh The pricing ends up working out great. Left us with 5400 between two players. So we can run it back if we really want to with Greg Dorch. I, I don't love that. Oh, I really the, do. With the Falcons defense? Oh, yeah. I mean, Greg Dorch, I've done the inferior goods bit a million times, but like Greg Dorch is a can of spam in a recession. Like that guy thrives when things are at their worst. So I'm I'm playing Greg Dorch. I don't know how owned he's going to be. If it gets like if he gets so much buzz, I like Greg Dorch more if Hopkins plays, honestly, because I don't I think he's going to get a bunch more ownership if Hopkins is out. And I don't really think that Hopkins has a whole lot of bearing on Greg Dorch doing whatever little dinky drag routes he's going to do in the slot. But I mean, he's played five games this year where he's actually been their slot wide receiver. He had one other game where he played a bunch of snaps, but he had to play out wide because Cliff Kingsbury's moron. But five games that he was their slot wide receiver playing over 70% of the offensive snaps, the least amount of PPR points he's had in any of those five games was 13.5. He gets a fantastic matchup this week where the only Falcons secondary member worth anything is AJ Terrell, who I'm assuming if Hopkins plays, Terrell will be on hop the entire time. And I'm assuming if Hopkins does not play, then he's going to see a lot of Marquise Brown. He's not going to be going anywhere near Greg Dorch. And people were bringing up, oh, would you still play him without Trace McSorley? He, he's over these five games. He's done it with three different quarterbacks. He did it once with Kyler. He seemed to has a 10 target game. He has a 10 target game with Cole McCoy. He has a 10 target game with Trace McSorley. Um, <laughs> David Blau sucks, obviously. So I, I don't think that it's that much of a concern. I think with all these crap quarterbacks in a good matchup, you know, they're going to be feeding over the middle, which is why I like McBride. Probably if Dorch looks like he's going to get up into like the 20% own range, I have some level of self-respect that won't allow me to play Greg Dorch at 20%. That's when I would um, pivot to, to McBee. But um, if he stays in like the 10% range, then I'm, I'm all over the human Dorch. I think <laughs> I think David Blau is capable of throwing it 3.9 yards. Per yeah, attempt, that's the hope. But Dorch is a dot is. Yeah. All right, so we need to fill this in, and it's kind of funny. As we're running through the wide receiver position, uh, there is we have one spot left to fill in, and if we play Greg Dorch, which we are, there's only three oh, money, money. receivers we cannot play. We cannot play AJ Brown, we cannot play Devontae Adams, and we cannot play uh, Tyree Kill, which two of those three I pro- probably would not play this week. So 
And if Marshawn Lattimore doesn't play, I probably don't really want any of those guys. So it sets me up with my top options at receiver. Uh, number one being Amonral St. Brown, which I think is great for this game. I don't want to dive into this game just yet because I want to talk about it on the next uh, matchup that we build. Jalen Waddle, though, right? Like if New England decides to take, yeah. try to take away, I should say, Tyreek Hill, and they go with Jalen Waddle. Troubled Waddle. Dude, it, that's a crazy awesome matchup. Uh, I also love Keenan Allen out of the slot, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit as well. I love Keenan Allen out of the slot up against the Rams. You know I talk about it all the time, about the type of defense the Rams play uh, and how they allow underneath routes. Meanwhile, we should see Patrick, or I'm sorry, Jalen Ramsey. I almost went with the old Washington quarterback. Uh, we should see Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey. Wow, that's a callback. Patrick Ramsey, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, who's Peyton Ramsey? That's a guy too. Patrick Ramsey... Yeah, he was what, like the Spurrier era of the Washington. Yeah, it game. was. It was a Spurrier era. Was it? Did he come from Rutgers? I don't remember. I just Peyton, remember him. Peyton getting, Ramsey. Yeah. No, Pat, Peyton Ramsey was an Indiana Hoosiers college quarterback. <laughs> That's who Peyton Ramsey is. And Patrick Ramsey. I thought he came from Florida State, but I. Can't oh, remember. he mu- No, that was uh, that was Werfel. Did Patrick Ramsey also come from? I can't remember. No, Flor- anyway, Werfel was from Florida. And what? Patrick Ramsey went to Tulane. We're going to lose all of our listeners talking about early 2000s quarterbacks. Yeah, Tulane, Patrick Ramsey, round one pick in the Washington, formerly known as the Redskins. It was Tulane? Yeah, I knew it was some smaller school like that. All right, so I personally, I like Amon Ross St. Brown. I love Jalen yeah. Waddle. Um, I love uh, Keenan Allen. Those are my top I'll say three. this for Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, uh, so I'm going to play Amon Ross St. Brown. I would somehow, like if this were a lineup that I were building, I would eventually somehow reconfigure it because I'm just not going to play a 25% owned Amon Ross St. Brown as the only member of the game with the highest over-under on the slate. Like I, I just can't quite yeah, stomach yeah. that. Like if I'm playing Amon Ra, and I will, I'm playing that at least correlated somehow. Like I'm either doing it with Goff, I'm doing it with a bear, any bear, um, something. I think just like playing a solo dolo, 25% owned Amon Ra, with no other members of the game when it was 52 point total, it's just like asking to get bypassed by other players. So I, I would struggle with it, but I'm certainly down with it, at least in, in a vacuum. Um, Waddle or everybody, Allen. Else, everybody else, like, yeah, I mean, I'm fine with enough with Keenan Allen. Certainly he's, he's a guy you can solo dolo and Waddle, I'm fine with too. I, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. I was going to mention this, but I'm even considering rolling out Teddy stacks, uh, the Patriots' defense has not been a good pass defense all year. Um, I think that they're kind of just coasting off of like reputation of Bill Belichick. You're also going to have to keep up with the Joneses this week. Both New England Joneses are out this week. Uh, both their corners, Jack and Marcus. Uh, oh. So, so you're, they're down two starting cornerbacks. Uh, that's going to be, I think, quite a lot of room to operate for Waddle and Hill. And, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, say what you want about him. The, the guy's never seen a third down marker. He doesn't want to throw short of. But – he can certainly, I think, deliver the ball <laughs> to Waddle and Hill appropriately. And I think people, I was going to say this um, about this game. I think people are a little too low on Teddy because they lost those two games when Tua missed earlier in the season. People don't remember that Teddy Bridgewater, I think, only played about two drives of the first game before he got knocked out with an injury. And then they start Skylar Thompson the next game for some weird reason. Teddy Bridgewater comes in when they're already down about three scores. And, I mean, he's playing vanilla defense. But they move the ball perfectly fine in the second half against uh, Minnesota Vikings in that spot. I think a lot of people are also pointing to the split with Hill and Waddle in the Skylar-Teddy games. 
and being like, oh, it's going to be all Hill. I mean, look, you'd project Hill higher. You'd project Hill higher every single week, obviously. But Jalen Waddle was on the injury report in both of those weeks. He was dealing with something. I forget exactly which body part. Um, I'm not convinced that it's like a scenario where Teddy's only going to be able to supply Tyreek Hill with value. I think Waddle can can have value this week, absolutely. Jacob, I told everybody at the beginning of the show that we we're going to build like five lineups. We're now 44 we like minutes two. in. <laughs> we could we could have saved that for for Miami one. All right, so which one are you picking, Waddle or Keenan Allen? Uh, I will pick Jalen Waddle. All right, let's do it. Let's enter this one in, and let's go ahead and try to get. Wait, what is this? I've never had more information. Yeah, I don't know. It's in there, though. All right, let's try and build another lineup. Well, before, quickly, before we build another lineup, I want to let you know uh, about about a couple of our friends. And I need to let you know about our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Okay? Uh, if you are enjoying this conversation, if you're enjoying playing DFS, if you don't want the fun to stop on your fantasy season at the end of this week, you got to get out onto Underdog Fantasy, and there's never been a better time because they are running their playoff contests. They are running the gauntlet. And they are now running the Mitten 2, the second of the Mittens, uh, where you can go and select players in underdog playoff best ball contests. It's a super fun contest. You got to think strategically through which teams you think are going to advance. Oh, no, if this team gets the buy, you know, am I going to be able to advance? Should I be loading up on these players that play early? What teams potentially are going to play in certain rounds so you avoid putting them together? It's a super fun, fun, fun format to try and think through. I know Chase and I each had some writing on player profiler from it on last year's uh, playoff best ball. So you could definitely go and check that out on playerprofiler.com. But if you are going to go on underdog and you are new to the underdog family, make sure to use promo code underworld. You can get a hundred dollars when you sign up and make sure to check out the mitten two, the gauntlet, any other, their playoff best ball contest. All right. So let's go ahead and let's hop on to another stack. And I, uh, uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to build a, a third one. Would you rather go with no, the Justin Herbert or Justin Fields? I'm going to go with uh, Justin Fields, especially for the content purposes. I feel like this is the game that most people want to stack. So let's let's give it to him. Let's give him the Lions and the Bears, uh, and the Tigers. Oh my! <laughs> and this was the game. As soon as uh, I saw the slate, I was like, "Oh, Jacob, I'm taking this game. This is my game." Yeah, um, 52 point total at home. You know, it's so funny when we were doing basketball season right all summer and you know everybody's pontificating okay what are the games that we want to be stacking in these week 17 game stacks and no nobody's top of their list was the lions and the bears right everybody we got to stack the uh bills and the bengals that still looks like a good game right monday night uh we got to stack the chiefs and the broncos that game i mean you still want chiefs broncos are fucking ass uh people are like you want to make sure that you're stacking uh, oh, everybody wants to stack the Chargers and the Rams. Nobody wants to stack the Rams anymore. But all of a sudden, the Bears and the Lions, which are probably like 12th on everybody's list of Week 17 game stacks all summer, it's the number one uh, hottest ticket in town. Everybody can't get enough of the Bears and the Lions. So let's do it. Yeah, I, I love the Bears and Lions uh, situation. I think it's going to be uh, a hell of a shootout. I think that we're going to see some yards generated from the quarterback position, obviously. With Justin yards. And then the Lions, who, you know, we actually – we we. Last week, we briefly hit on it. I did not think that the Lions would give up nearly that many yards to Chuba Hubbard and the Vox Foreman. Whatever they were able to do for the run defense for that month. I mean, they I don't even understand. They were such a bad run defense for the whole first half of the year. And then they were then great. They this, then they become an impenetrable force. And they were like, all right, we're done. <laughs> That's it. Okay, run through. 
It was that whole game was happened. so bizarre. That whole game was so bizarre. I I don't want to spend too much time talking about it. Three hundred rushing yards, unbelievable. It was absolutely absurd. Well, I guess you can play David Montgomery this week, uh, but also you could not play David Montgomery. I, I'm not really sure. I, I would rather not play David Montgomery, but I mean, like if we choose to to have or if we decide this game is going to be a shootout, which I think if we're building a stack on this, we we have to think that somebody somebody is going to be relevant over there on the the Chicago side outside of Justin Fields. So I mean, is it Cole Komet? Like, who is it for you? Well. I mean, one question, I, I, the guy I really want to play is Chase Claypool because he's earned targets at such a high rate since he's been with the Bears, and he was just starting to ramp up into more of a full-time role before he got hurt. I, I guess my question is just in a lost season, are they really going to insert him back to a full snap share? Like that that seems like pretty possible that they just don't. So I'll take some shots on Claypool, but I don't want to make him like a fixture. I think it was the week that he got hurt. I, I think I made Claypool like almost a fixture in every lineup, and of course that was the week that he got hurt. And so that was a bummer. I guess Cole Komet's going to be the main option, but I mean, I don't know. Am I, am I super excited about playing Cole Komet with fields when everybody else who plays fields is also going to be playing Cole Komet and Cole Komet sucks at football. Like I'm not super excited. So I don't know. I think I'd kind of just spin the roll of dice. Who can you name another Chicago Bears wide receiver? What is it? Equinemius St. Brown. What about the brother narrative? What about that narrative that, that they'll make sure to get Equinemius St. Brown a touchdown against Amon Ross St. Brown? Didn't that happen last time? That happened the last time they played. Well, then good. That's all the, all the more record. He has a 100% touchdown rate against the Lions this year. That means it's <laughs> guaranteed to score on a I believe he did. Uh, I have to double check that real quick, but I, he didn't even see snaps last week. I don't think, or at least didn't see a target. All did right, time to, time to dig in. So, all right, uh, for me, oh, he did get hurt in that game, but he'll be fine. Okay, cool. All right, for me, it's it's actually Velas Jones is is the Bless. guy that I might might be tempted to play outside of Cole Komet. I mean, just because if Chase Claypool plays, it's probably going to be Jeffrey Kuda that's matching up against uh, Chase Claypool because that's the only guy that you know, makes sense over there for him to shadow, uh, which uh, we don't even know if he's going to end up shadowing at that point. So, I mean, Velas Jones is a guy, he's going to have to play on the outside, but he sees those deep targets. He saw what two receptions last week, I think for like 60 yards or 50 yards, something like that. So, I mean, Velas Jones makes sense. It's like a deep threat and nobody's going to have ownership on him. Like you could literally play chalk for the entire rest of your lineup. And if Velas Jones hits for a hundred yards and a touchdown, like you're, you're probably going to end up winning the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? I, I mean, pretty much in terms of 3K wide receivers, right? In terms of any 3K wide receiver with ownership, like it's going to be it's going to be the human torch, right? Uh, and then after that, you know, anybody else that you want to play that is able to outscore Dorch uh, and outscore, I guess, Elijah Moore might get a little bit at 3,500. But yeah. for the most part, you know, you can play anybody else at 3,000, you know, no down payment, risk free, uh, and you'll be fine. So I, I've, I'm I'm fine with Velas. Velas Jones last week ran 19 routes on 33 dropbacks. Now that was without Claypool and without Equinemius St. Brown. I mean, he, he did not get a touchdown, by the way. Equinemius St. Brown. I must have been thinking about a different game or something. It's anyone's like guess. I mean, assuming that EQSB and Claypool are both back in action this week. Uh, as to who else is going to get wide receiver routes, I'm not sure. Last week they were led in routes by Byron Pringle, who who hasn't even played most of the season. So, trying to guess, like guess which Bears wide receiver runs a route is is a game that is difficult to win. <laughs> so should we just fade it then? Should we just fade it entirely? Uh, I mean, I think we should play one player with Fields. 
but and I guess what we're gonna do is we're gonna probably end up settling on on Cole Sox of football commit. All right, let's go with Cole Komet at this point. God, man, I wanted to talk about more tight ends than I love. This is going to eliminate that. Oh, well, man. you know what? It's my Christmas gift to you. You can play a double tight end lineup. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's go on to the, the line side of things. I think we have to play uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, and I want to play Swift, too. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, me, too. Obviously, I, I love it. I love punishment because I've been playing Swift all freaking season. <laughs> Oh, man, after last week against Carolina, I can't believe he had that stat line. But, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? It's a good thing, right? He's going to have lower ownership just due to that. He's going to be cheaper. You're going to save His a little bit of money. His usage has been all over the place. But, like, he's still getting snaps, and he, he still gets a high rate of, of targets per route. Obviously, he's prone to doing completely nothing on the ground. Um, we know this by now. But his role looks nothing like those other running backs. But from, like, an aggregate projection perspective, it's really not that different. Then, you know, the Algier, Knight, Robinson, et cetera, he'll probably be, I don't know. I don't know if he'll be more or less owned than Zonovan Knight. He'll almost certainly be less owned than Tyler Algier and Brian mm-hmm. Robinson. Um, and, and he's a very explosive player. And there's also some questions of Jamal Williams' health, you know, potentially lingering. And it's a great matchup, high over under. I'm ready to get hurt again. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go ahead and I, I do want to talk about this game. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and, and pick my the next, next matchup we want to try to attack. Um, that's the 49ers up against the uh, up against the Raiders. And I like this a lot more when Debo Samuel, before Debo Samuel was ruled out because yeah. the, the Raiders, they get crushed in the slot. But so do the 49ers. And we already know like the system that they run is, is take what the defense gives you. And I think that we hit a point where Derek Carr was not following the game plan. And that's why he got benched. It's, it's not because he was bad or anything. It's because he was not agreeing with Josh McDaniels. They were probably button heads, and he was probably targeting Devontae Adams far too much for Josh McDaniels' liking. Uh, Josh McDaniels, he likes to utilize what the defense gives up, like I said, and, and that's for the 49ers, the slot position. We're going to see a lot of pressure off the edges. Uh, this could force Darren Waller to not be on the field as often, uh, Foster Moreau to be on the field a lot more often. And this could actually open up a game for Hunter Renfro to – uh, to seize the day. Hunter Renfro last week, I think, saw, what, seven targets, I believe? Uh, that sounds right to me. The only concern I have, he's still splitting time with Keelan Cole. He's playing, he's running more routes, but he has not fully eradicated Keelan Cole from three wide receiver sets. He um, has not, but he is, he did get a touchdown last week. And he, he, got a touchdown last week. he is uh, carving out that role. I mean, he's only been back for two weeks, right? So well, what's I think his salary? I, I, I can't say that it's only I've 4K. at Hunter Renfro. It's only um, 4K. That's okay. it. Sure. 4K is, is feasible. Sure. You can it's have feasible. your 4K Hunter Renfro. Sure. I mean, I'm trying to create salary space because we, we went up okay. with, with Justin Fields. We're playing Amon Ross St. Brown. So I'm trying to go with a guy that could allow us to still play with our lineups who has touchdown upside. And if they're going to unload the ball to with Jarrett Sidham at quarterback, you know that he's not going to do a five-step drop back to target Devontae Adams. Sorry to tell what's, you what's all, Devontae Adams is dead the, for the season. What, what's the Raiders' team total this week? Probably three points. Um... It is, I uh, man, I'm trying to do math on the fly here, and and it's it's getting a little painful. It looks like 16 points. Team total is 16 points. Um, I won't be playing a Raider this week, but 4K, Hunter Renfro. 4K, it's 4K. Let's do it. Merry Merry Christmas, Hunter Renfro. Welcome <laughs> to the lineup. He if he gets one touchdown, he's halfway there to pay. Sure. Okay, are we just, are we gonna do the all white guy stack? Are we gonna play CMC now too? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? No, I mean, so I, I really like Devo Samuel, but he's going to be out this week. And 
Juwan right. Johnson plays in the slot when Debo Samuel is in there. You want to do Juwan Johnson? Uh, no, we do not need to play Juwan Jennings. Um, uh, John, oh, I'm sorry, Juwan Jennings. I we already have Cole Komet, but I will allow I will allow you to pick between Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk. I'm fine with either of those options. I'm, I'm I refuse to play a solo Hunter Renfro <laughs> on a team with a 16 point total. So you can pick between Ayuk and CMC. Oh, that's man. that's. That's that's the best I can give you. I, I can't do Ayuk. You know that. Uh, I'm going to have to go with, with CMC. <gasps> okay. And then that could allow us to do a double gross tight end stack. Or, or we can just play <laughs> Greg Dortch, our king. Oh, God. Um, all right. Oh, man, this is really shitty. Let me go ahead and put a defense in here. Um, you want to do the Falcons defense at 27? Might have to pay all the way down. I, I, don't care. I literally don't care. You know this. I, I know you care about it. I don't like, care. I just want you to play whatever's the least owned. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Falcons defense is in there. I don't even know what the ownership is on the Falcons. No defense, idea. I, I, I look at uh, the 49ers will be the most owned defense, which makes a lot of sense. All right. No, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Since you're a Colts fan, did Jelani Woods secure the the tight end position moving forward? Or do you think Mo Ali Cox is going to outsnap him this oh, week? Oh, Mo Ali Cox is not a concern. Mo Ali Cox plays the Y tight end position, which is entirely capped in terms of its role in the offense. The F tight end position has been split between Jelani and Colin Granson. Colin Granson's out this week, so it'll be Jelani Woods again. So that's the other gross tight end that I really like this week. Yeah, I like Jelani Woods. I also really like Zach Moss. I, I would actually really like to talk about this game. We're not going to be able to. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to as a Colts fan. I'm happy to not talk about this. <laughs> but for the record, I also... I'm trying to put a way to phrase I like Zach Moss without saying I like Zach Moss. But I love among Zach that Moss. tier of cheap running backs that we've all been talking about, Zach Moss's role is better than all of their asses. He sucks, but his role is better than all of Brian Robinson, Bam Knight, Tyler Algier, DeAndre Swift. His, he has the best role of any of them. He's going to play 80% of the snaps. I don't know why. But, Saturday, but you can run on the Giants. Saturday, you can run on Just Saturday is going to feed Zach Moss come hell or high water. He has a good matchup. He's going to be like 2% owned because he's Zach Moss. Um, uh, yeah, I'm fine with Zach Moss. Go for it. I love Zach. Wait, should we go Zach Moss instead of Jelani Woods? Uh, yes, yes. Zach but I mean, Moss. We, we might be cost prohibitive, right? I don't think that the cost is all that prohibitive um, because then we can play Craig Dorch. <laughs> no, no, Greg Dorch. Come on. We got to do somebody else other than Greg Dorch. Come on, Jacob. Okay, fine. 3,400 is the last thing before we hit before we head out for the, for, for this. Well, not technically the season. We'll be back for the next three weeks. We'll be doing three more weeks of this uh, for you hooligans. But um, let, let's do, um, let's, let's do Elijah Moore at 3,500 and then we'll play the Patriots defense. Wait, we only have 34. Oh, and you want to yeah, give it down fine. to Patriots defense? Yeah. Or, or whoever defense. I, I don't really care. I just know the Patriots are 26. But someone someone 26 or lower. Oh, pick, pick, pick whoever you want. You can pick the Texans if you really want to. You can pick the Panthers. I like the Panthers. Play the Panthers defense. Tom Brady's washed. Tom Brady's look good the past couple weeks, I thought. No? All right. They, they're, they're fine. I mean, they're not. Tom Brady threw like three interceptions last week. Panthers can get some. They'll be fine. There we go. Play Elijah. Mm, okay. All right. Go. We're in there. All right. Real quick, just to. Just to talk about a few guys that we didn't have a chance to talk about that we'll go into our locks. Um, I, I really love Justin Herbert this week. That was actually my favorite one, and we didn't even get to talk about it. Oh, I love I love running it with uh, with Herbert, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. However, uh, the thing here is that if I decide to play all those three guys, then I have to play Cam Akers because I have to believe that they're going to be competitive to an extent, and I don't think that that's going to be the case 
for um you know, like I don't, I don't think that you can get value out of Herbert Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler if they end up blowing out the Rams. Mm. I'm also a little bit nervous about Austin Eckler to an extent because Aaron Donald's back. I know he hasn't had like the best season, you know, we, we've ever seen or anything like that. But he does impact the defense. Austin Eckler can still get the receiving yards. Not as worried about that. But uh, Akers is going to have to have a massive game in order for this game to be relevant which means that you have to play Akers with Herbert, with Keenan Allen, with Austin Eckler, which is like a, you know, that's a regular stack that we would typically yeah. talk about on a normal episode. Uh, you know, if the slate wasn't so messed up this week with all sorts of crazy stuff going on. So I love that stack. Um, in terms of the James Conner stuff, I love James Conner. We haven't talked enough about him this week, uh, but he is in there. And yeah, I think that's about it in terms of games that I want to discuss. Oh, I, I do think that you can play, uh, like I said, Jelani Woods, I think you play Paris Campbell. I think that Pittman is a bigger start than what we're considering. Um, but if you decide to play Daniel Jones with Hodgins and Barkley, and you think this game could actually exceed the expectations or exceed the the the, the point total, if you think that, then it's Maybe in there. Maybe it could exceed the all-time record for rushing attempts. It, yeah, it could actually and, be and, it, and it might be the all-time record for fastest real-time end of game. It's might, very might possible. Take two hours and twenty-one minutes. From no, the, no, that's that's never. It's never going to surpass the Washington game with Ron Rivera <laughs> up against the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan. I don't think that record will ever be broken. Oh my God! All right, let's go ahead and hop into this last little bit, which is our locks for the week. My lock is going to be Travis Etienne. I know typically we right. try to pick guys with lower ownership, but I think that Travis no, no, Etienne. That They'll be fine. Uh, from the reports that I've seen and what I have, it's like up at like 13 to 15%. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it'll be like not owned, but I just mean like he's not going to be like 30 or anything crazy. No, and I think as we start to see some of these other uh, guys that are called out, we're going to see a lot less ownership on Travis Etienne because you yeah. can pivot off of some of these other running backs and work your way towards cheaper options. So I think that Travis Etienne, who's more expensive, is going to see – he's going to be the first guy that, that people ax, I think, on their lineups to get off because there's nobody to run it back with. You know, I, like I, well, you're I, running I, it back with Jordan. I, I am, I am, I will be this week. I'm excited for it. Yeah. All right, my guy this week. I've talked about him a lot. We didn't get him in any lineups, but I'm rolling with Bam this week. Um, I look, I, I, I like Bam Knight as a process play. I don't really have any opinions on what he's going to do, but I never really do. Here's why I like Bam Knight this week. First of all, excellent matchup. Second of all, he's still the primary early down back for the Jets. The only reason why that that hasn't yielded anything the last couple of weeks like it did the previous weeks is that being the early down back for a team quarterback by Zach Wilson that's losing all the time is not a valuable role. This week they get the god, the man, the myth, the legend, Mike White back, and so all of a sudden there's actual possibility that they'll be able to play from ahead, which is where you need to have Zonovan Knight. He's basically the same archetype as several other running backs with similar questions and more ownership, but who have pleased people more recently at the same dollar amount, that's going to keep his ownership down. I also think you get an extra benefit with Bam Knight because Garrett Wilson, it'll either be Garrett Wilson or Amon Ross St. Brown, most likely, who is the highest owned wide receiver on the slate. And so anytime you get the opportunity to get price leverage off of Brian Robinson, Tyler Algier, et cetera, and you get direct player leverage off of Garrett Wilson and whatever script that brings, that's where I want to go. Um, and so you kind of get a confluence of factors. You would be excited about Zonovan Knight. I think he's a fun process play. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to be bamming it up in my lineup this week. God, imagine saying a man, a myth, the legend has a name like Mike White. 